Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, I'm Promise, and you're listening to Derek Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, let's pray. Lord, just thank you for today. Just thank you for just coming into our midst and just providing for us and making where we're not one, we're not lacking or wanting. And Lord, I also just thank you for satisfying satisfying our needs and filling in an empty void. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus, sorry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. We are going to continue our study in Romans this morning. So we are in chapter 9, and can I get a volunteer to read verses 13 through 29, please? I will. All right, Charles. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he who says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the, to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name will be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he, he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For, he, for who has resisted his will? But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will a thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one's vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What is what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might all that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom we he called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles, as he says also in Hosea, I will call them by I will call them my people who are not my people, and her beloved, who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it, it was said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel may be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, will we, ha- we would have become like Sodom and would have been made like Gomorrah. Hmm. Amen. So, as our custom is here, the floor is open for each of you to share with the Holy Spirit speaking and ministering to you. And of course, ask any questions that you have. All right. Okay. So who'd like to begin? I do. All right, Layla. Um, this last verse that we read was verse um, 29, and it was Isaiah speaking and talking about unless the, how unless the Lord 
um, if he did not leave a seed or a remnant, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. It just further highlights God's sense of justice and his righteousness and the mercy that he has towards us as human beings. He doesn't just cut us off at the first mistake we make and that's the end of it but he offers us the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with him as he desires and to be his child and to walk with him and be a part of his plan that he's going to fulfill through the in the earth and being able to walk alongside of others that are also journeying on the same path for the same destination we just see how god is good to us and just how he is mm-hmm. amen amen mm-hmm. <coughs> promise little said it one second okay first the lord wanted me to talk about verse 21 where it says do not does not the pot have the power of the clay from the same lump to make one Vessel for honor and other for dishonor. And the Lord wanted me to clarify that and not. And so it's to make it clearer. Mm-hmm. The Lord, so the Lord is talking to me about how the Lord is not specifically making this guy's going to be evil from the heart and this guy's going to worshiping with his whole heart. It's a, it's a person's own choice. Mm-hmm. Just like if we are Let's say if I was going out, actually no, better example, if we were going to the pool and I have water shoes, I can choose to not wear the shoes or I can choose to wear them. Mm-hmm. And how mommy and dad don't force me to go, you have to wear these shoes, it's my own decision. And how it's the same with the Lord, you, you can choose to be a vessel of dishonor, a vessel of honor. Mm-hmm. Amen. We can choose. Um, so as we're looking and we're thinking about this and how God has set up the dynamic of life. So we talked about Ishmael and Isaac, for example, and God did not make Ishmael to be a vessel of dishonor. He didn't force him into a life that was separated from him um, or anything negative. Ishmael was given the same opportunity to, to know God that Isaac was. And even still within that, God had a destiny track for Isaac because God also knew what Isaac would choose. And he determined that this is the way the pathway he was going to go. Although Ishmael was not excluded from the family of God and what was being done. Right. Yes. Okay. So let's temper this and rightly divide the word of truth. Okay. Let's look at James chapter one. And let's look at verse 15. We're inside in verse 13, and then we're going to read down. Um, And we'll we'll read to verse 17. The child, you want to read that for me, sweetheart? I so trying to flip through my way. I had to put my bookmark in. Okay, Layla, my beloved, go for it. You're Verses all my beloved. 13 through 17. 13 through 17. Yes, ma'am. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. 
but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that we don't have a good that a God that is sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad, sometimes he's nice, sometimes he's mean, sometimes he's um, righteous and, and holy, and sometimes he's wicked. There is no wickedness in our God. That is not the truth. There's, there's nothing in him like that. So he is only a good God. And if anyone is tempted and drawn away into evil, it is not because God forced them into it. It's not because God made them. And it's not for any other reason other than what's stated here. They are drawn away by their own lust, right? And when we look back at God's character, we look through the scriptures at his character, his nature, in particular in Genesis, and we look at what God did. It was good. Who was it that brought an alternative option to have God betrayed? Who was the introducer of a, a second means of living? An alternative route. Satan? Satan, yes. And Eve, she was tempted by that second option. Why? Because she desired it. Okay. Because of her own desire. That has nothing to do with God put her up to it or set her up or any of those kind of things. God has already determined in his wisdom that he would allow us to make our own choices. And in that, he also has to give us an opportunity to choose. So when we look back at um, Romans chapter 9, and it's talking about Pharaoh in verse 17 in particular, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. He didn't raise Pharaoh to be wicked. He knew who he was and the choices he would make. So what he's saying is here is the same as what happened with Judas. Judas walked with Jesus. I don't get, I don't think you get literally physically in the earth. I don't think there's any greater opportunity to come to the knowledge of God than that. Right. <laughs> like yes. looking at it from a, a, a strictly human perspective, you smelt his breath in the morning. You walked with him in the day. You had dinner with him every night. You had the opportunity to lay on his bosom like the apostle John did. Judas had every one of those opportunities before him. And Jesus preached the gospel to Judas, just like he did with every of the other disciples. But Judas made his choice, right? Then Satan entered in and carried, then the whole thing went the direction it went. God declaring it beforehand was saying, this is what you're going to do, right? Just like when he said to Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times, right? Yes. yes. He didn't make Peter deny him. He declared what Peter was already going to do because that was Peter's choice. That was Judas's choice. This was Pharaoh's choice to harden his heart against God because at any moment he could have bowed down and said, never mind, God, you win. But then you see him, even some cases he did do that. And then he said, no, never mind, God, I'm going to win. So when he says that he raised him up, he's like, okay, I let you come up in power. I gave you an opportunity to choose. And I knew what you were going to choose. So now I'm going to work that into my plan of I'm going to let my people go. I'm going to redeem them so that God could get the glory and carry on with whatever he was doing. But God doesn't give us an opportunity or he doesn't cause us to sin. 
because then there will be we will be doing what he wanted correct yes right yes. well so he does not want us to sin and then as you see as you continue reading through this section of chapter nine um you misunderstand if you think uh, verse 20 says but indeed O man who are you to reply against god well the thing formed say to him who formed it why have you made me like this so you as he's the apostle paul is talking here it would be a misunderstanding, and it is, when humans come to the conclusion that, well, God made me like this, so I should just go ahead and do it. God made me a sinner, so I should just sin. He did not make you a sinner. Right? Yes. yes. He's given everyone a chance and an opportunity to come in, and it's a matter of what will our choices, what will our choices be? Are we going to choose him, or are we going to not choose him? Yes, I'm Dean? Well, I would just say to that one thing is, is so... Um God made you in spite of your decisions, right? He knew what you were going to decide, but he honored you by allowing you to go, go ahead and exist anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he just fashioned his plan around that and made the adjustments for it because he's all knowing of everything. And so, and if he wasn't, he wouldn't have been able to put his plan together. It would be no plan. If it was subject to the whims of thousands upon thousands of people mm-hmm. seeing his plan of redemption um, realize through Jesus Christ um, that he would just be like, well, I hope everybody does what I hope they do. So, you know, this, I hope this works out. Cause if not, I don't know what I'm going to do when Jesus is born. Cause I'm not, I don't have, I don't have a plan for that. He knew, he knew all those things. So, but he did not do them exactly. in spite of knowing the decisions that you would make. He still was gracious enough to give you life and allow you to live. And you always had the choice to do whatever you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Whether that be follow him or not and he honored and respected and i'll say respected their choice everyone on this planet has a choice to choose christ so please choose him choose life and live and also they also have the choice to not choose him and be eternally separated so making sure that our as we read the word we are rightly dividing it and listening with our spirit man and not being carried away with thought processes don't, that don't bring life and that aren't true about God. Did you have something, babe? I did. Um, going back to verses 14 and 15. Okay. Right. And it goes along with what you have been saying, right? Um, I love this. I love questions. <laughs> and, of course, Paul goes into this. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. And if um, people may already know where that that is, those scriptures were said. Um, If you don't, it's in Exodus. First in chapter 33, verse 18. And this, of course, is when Moses is asking the Lord to, to see his glory. Uh, begins in verse 18, and in verse 19 he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And I, I love this. Is it also opens up to the very next chapter, uh, Exodus 34 where Moses is able to see the Lord's glory 
and it begins in verse 5. Uh, we'll just read 5 through 7, right? Of Exodus 34. So now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, that's Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children, children to the third and fourth generation. So in this, these scriptures, or and this is what Paul is getting, is the Lord's sovereignty. The Lord is sovereign. But in what we just read here in chapter 33, Exodus 33, and especially 34, the Lord announces who he is. And you see there his his character and his nature, mm-hmm. right? He's sovereign. He's omniscient, which means all-knowing. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. And he is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Or how would he be able to know where everyone is and what everyone is doing and who is being righteous and who is in sin, Right? But so there, there's a couple things, and and I love this because that's who God is, mm-hmm. and you see that even before He to Moses says who He is, gives his his own bona fides or a testimony of Himself. Or when we go back to to Genesis 15, the covenant with Abraham, right? And uh, he says he's going to give all this land to him, but he says this first because Moses, uh, excuse me, Abraham had this dream and he, he was afraid. And um, he, the Lord tells him very plainly that um, when he makes the, this covenant with him, he says, and this is Genesis fifteen thirteen said to Abraham, No, certainly your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. And they will afflict them 400 years. And also a nation whom they serve, the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with a great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. And here's the key. But the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And that's exactly what the Lord said. Hey, I'm judging all these things, even down to the third and fourth generation. The Lord, true to his word, and he brought them back, and he gave them the land. Right? And he is who he says he is. And, and I'll, you see this. So the Lord announces that, right? And this is to Moses. Of course, Moses taught the people, just like Abraham taught his children who the Lord is, right? Mm-hmm. So then look at um, John 18, the Gospel of John. So when Jesus is brought before the, the Pharisees, uh, or the high priests, excuse me, mm-hmm. he was, this is in uh, John 18, starting in verse 19, right? The, I, the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples, and his doctrine. And I love Jesus' response. I spoke openly, Jesus answered him, this is verse 20, I spoke openly to the world 
I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Mm -hmm. Does everybody get that? The Lord has already proclaimed who he is. And he does say it constantly. It's said for every generation. It was already said to that generation. right? That's why Jesus said multiple times, why does this generation always ask for a sign? They won't be given one except the sign of Jonah. Right? Mm -hmm. He already pronounced who he was. He said it repeatedly. They even questioned him about it. That's in uh, between John um, 8 and 10. Eight, chapters 8 through 10. Right, they question him. And, and every time, hey, say it plainly. Are you saying you're God? And of course, the last time he just defaulted to his previous answer. He'd already said it. We should know. We should know who the Lord is. We should know his character, his nature, his attributes. He's not unrighteous. You brought, uh, honey, you brought up in, um, in James. Mm-hmm. Right, and you see that same thing there. Right, it's our own temptations, our own lusts, our own desires that open the door for the enemy to have a place. Mm-hmm. That's why he says way back in Genesis 15, this will take this this amount of time. Right? The Lord knew how much time it would take because he says the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. But James 15, right? Sin, when it reaches its fullness, produces death. He knew how long it would take going to the plan, going to, and this goes back to what we were talking about in a previous episode, when we were talking about, uh, in chapter 8, we were talking about predestination and election and God's eternal plan. Mm-hmm. His sovereignty is already included in that. And we see this, and I love how Paul keeps bringing up these same points, right? Um, whether it's from chapter 1 or chapter 3 or chapter 4. but isn't that like us right we all like to okay we heard it let's move on and just continue and the lord through paul here keeps i'll say circling back for lack of a better way to phrase it and repeating the same thing like no no we're not done here like we need to understand this in full the lord is sovereign there are vessels uh, brought up of dishonor and vessels of honor And, and even as he continues in verse um Paul does in verse 16 and 17, right? So then it's not of him who wills or him of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Right? Um, what did he first say when he announced himself? I'm what? Merciful. Merciful and, and compassionate. Yes? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. He doesn't seek to punish everyone. We went over scripture when we we're talking about um, predestination, election, God's eternal plan, and how it's all so masterfully or intricately woven together that the Lord wills that none should perish. <clears throat> he wills that none, but he gave us free will that we can choose either to serve him or ultimately the devil. That's why he, Jesus said it plainly. If you were Abraham's children, then you would know me. But you're of your father, the devil. Why? 
Why did he say that? Because that's who they chose to serve. That's who they were serving. Abraham's children were the children of promise. And as we are, have already pointed out here, not all of them, because not all chose to serve the Lord. So the Lord is specifically referring to the ones that chose the Lord. And, and by Abraham's children, clearly I'm referring to Isaac. He was the son of promise. Because just like Jacob and Esau, the Lord knew who was going to choose him. Mm-hmm. He knew the difference before he formed them in the womb. Mm-hmm. As he does with all of us. He knows what choices each of us are going to make. Every choice, everything that we ever are going to do or make, he knew that before the foundation of the earth. Mm. And if we can for a moment, I'd like to kind of zoom out and look at the the plan of redemption that that. Paul is talking about in this chapter and when he was he started out by saying how how fervently he longed for the children of Israel to acknowledge Jesus Christ so that they could come into salvation and then he starts talking about predestination and how God is working through um through working through time his plan of redemption and he's bringing in people that are outside the the what's seen in the natural as the children of Israel, the children of God, and he's bringing his people in, and he starts talking in verses 22 of chapter Romans chapter 9, and um, down to the end of the chapter actually says, um, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power mm-hmm. known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Amen. So, God is enduring with the wicked people or the the people that he already knows that are not going to choose him and that are um, heaping up wickedness upon themselves like the children, uh, like the Amorites heaping up wickedness and what was happening in Egypt at the time. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. So remember, he started talking about initially like God, he didn't miss the mark just because Israel isn't fully walking with God right now. It's okay. He didn't miss the mark because Israel is bigger than what we see in the natural. What we think of Israel is not all there is. And um, there's more. There's what God calls calls the people of Israel, what God calls his children. So he's working this plan of redemption and he's declaring to us that God hasn't missed anything. He, He didn't missed the mark in saying and calling Israelish children, even though all of these people aren't following God and they've, they've had different um, instances of rebellion against God, et cetera, et cetera. And he starts talking about um, the family of God, if you will. And it says, even verse 24, it says, even us whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people. And he and her beloved who was not beloved. So that's that's actually talking about Gentiles to be to say, no, you're not estranged from the family of God. If you believe in Jesus, you're actually the family of God. You're a part of it. Come on in. And so as he's talking about this, I kind of want us to reflect a little bit on Ephesians 315, because Paul is explaining to us how God orchestrated and ordained all these things. So he set all these up and he's using these um, pathways to bring about his plan of redemption and he's gathering his people up. So Ephesians chapter three, verse 15 says this. 
I'm actually, I'll start in verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit and the inner man. So verse 15, think about that for a second for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So each of us has been sent into the earth by the Lord through a variety of means, but it's all for redemption, a plan of redemption. So there are people that will never choose God and will hate God and curse him and go on. But there are other people that are of the um, children of God who will love him and declare his righteousness and come in through the door, who is Jesus Christ. So when he was talking and reminding them that he, what God had already said to Moses back in uh, Romans chapter nine, verse 15, I kind of want to put that in perspective so we can look at that when God says, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, meaning it's, it's not your choice human to limit God to loving who you think he should love. It's not your choice <laughs> to limit God to welcoming in only the people that you feel like are a part of the body of Christ or a part of the children of Israel after the flesh. God has a bigger perspective, which we alluded to in John, um, mm-hmm. was it John chapter 10, a few devotionals ago this week um but and also not in the way which you think you should love or display his love or affection or mercy or not in how you think it should look god is the standard setter he's the one who sets the standard of righteousness it's not us and so um looking at jonah chapter four Um, so kind of catch up through Jonah. Jonah was a prophet who was a Jew who was sent to, um, speak to people who were outside of the body of, or outside of Israel to call them to repentance so that they would not be destroyed by the wickedness that they were doing. And, um, God was giving someone else an opportunity to receive mercy from him. And so chapter four of Jonah says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. So Jonah was mad that when he preached the message, so Jonah got swallowed by the fish because he tried Mm -hmm. to go to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh. And then he said, okay, God, I'm sorry. And God had the fish spit him up on the ground. And then he went into Nineveh and preached to them and said, turn from your wicked ways or you guys are going to be destroyed in three days. And then the people said, oh, we're sorry, God. And they repented and they did turn. And Jonah chapter three, verse 10 says, then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. So God was able to raise a shield of mercy because they repented and they turned around. First John 1, 9, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Jonah got angry. Jonah being a Jew in the natural got angry that someone else received mercy from God. God already prefaced this with talking to Moses. I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I'm God. So Jonah, still upset that people outside of Israel were going to get an opportunity. And so verse 2 of chapter 4 says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and and a merciful God, uh, are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life for me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said to him, is it right for you to be angry? And then so Jonah went out of the city and God had mercy on Jonah 
kind of fast forwarding through these next couple of verses mm-hmm. and cause the plant to grow up a, a, a great plant to grow up out of nothing and it provi- that nothing visual um, and it covered him and provided him shade. But in the morning, um, God sent a worm to eat the plant so that it was damaged and it withered away in the sun and it died after it was damaged. Um, and then Jonah was upset again and he wished for death for himself. And he said it was better for him to die than to live. And then verse nine, it says, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it, is it right for me to be angry? It is right. Jonah said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on a plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? So God was saying, it's my business to have mercy on who I will have mercy because he's God. Mm -hmm. And Jonah, you're more concerned about a plant. You're more concerned about yourself and what you think is a standard of righteousness than really beholding what God's standard of righteousness is. So in this chapter of Romans, the apostle is talking and going, Hey, broaden your horizons, broaden your perspective. Look at how God is doing this so that he can bring all of his people in, not all of who you think are his people, but all of his people true. And in fact, but also lining out God's infallible nature and ability to do all of this without violating himself. And he's never failed in anything that he's done. And um, so just highlighting that and we can catch up on this another day. Thank you. There's a lot lot to meditate on there. So let's stop there for today and allow everyone the opportunity to look up the scriptures, to read them, to meditate on them, seek the Holy Spirit to allow him to minister to you. And of course you can always reach out with any questions or comments or prayer requests, praise reports and, and all that. Uh, just reach us at our, on our email a day of prayer at yahoo.com. So let's pause there. And who would like to close us out in prayer, please? I will. All right. La Charles. Lord, I just thank you for everything that you've been doing in our lives, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for these scriptures that you've given us, Lord, so that way we don't have to go through the same mistakes, Lord, and don't have to try to learn everything for ourselves, Lord, but that you give us an example so that way we can continue to move forward in you, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for everything that you provide in our lives, Lord, which is everything that we have, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your grace and mercy to us, Lord. Even if we don't hit the mark, Lord, that you still come and teach us how to do it better next time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.